Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands. Today we are joined by Dylan Krzywowski. Did I say that right? Wanski. Uh, you missed you missed the end. Krzywowski. There, there's a, there are a lot of consonants in your name. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually I've actually got 26 letters in my full name. We, you know, I um, not every, well, alphabet, but 26. Letters. Um, actually, before we go down this uh, the road, I'm going to take us. Um, I'll introduce you as the. Are you the the sole proprietor of Hop Havoc, or are there? I I am. Okay. Um, so I the, have my wife. My wife is a as a partner. She does all of our marketing. Okay. Um. Um. And uh, I have a I have a small minority share investor here. Okay. Um, but I'm under, you know. Yeah. So what I was gonna say when I was in high school, there was um, there was a girl who had a last name similar to yours, and we just called her Ann Alphabet because we just said like her last name had every letter <laughs> of the alphabet in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. That's actually um, uh, in some of my first sales jobs when I would call people and tell them my name they'd be like huh and i'd say you could just call me alphabet for short <laughs> that's a, i have a hard enough time um explaining to people my last name is sands on the phone so i can't even imagine the hell that you go through <laughs> right. is it is it kind of like a like a, a stepbrothers pan pan situation are they like is it sand yes sand? So a lot of them, even when I spell it out, then I'll replete with S A M, like no N Nancy N D. And then there was, there was someone the other day that it just could not get it. So I was like, it's like at the beach, but plural it's what's all over the beach. Just add an S at the end. <laughs> so oh, nice. I have, I have a vague understanding of what hop havoc is, but I don't think I completely know um so you you want to just let's start out by just explaining what hop havoc hop havoc is and what you do so hop havoc is a brewing ingredient supplier um we're based in williamsport maryland uh we sell basically every any variety of hops that's grown um if customers want it we can get it for them um we ship all over the world we have customers in russia uh, oh, wow. Chile, uh, um, Antigua, Canada. Um, we've, uh, we've sent hops to France, you know, all over the place. Um, but our core, our core business is, um, three to seven barrel breweries, small, you know, uh, um, small little breweries. And, um, basically our, our whole thing is we're, we cater to the smaller guys. Um, so I was actually, so is that Sorry, kind of a um is that a function of like because it like that small of a brewery isn't able to get hop contracts for the more sought after hops and that's where you come into play? It's it's harder for them to to get contracts on, on more sought after hops, and it's 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 really hard to find them you know on the spot market at a reasonable price. So we we go and you know um, hunt the hops down okay. and. Um, you know, get them to our customers at a reasonable price that, that you know, aside from galaxy, um, 
that's about the only hop that we can't really mitigate price on because it's just, it's ridiculously expensive, but everything else um, uh, we're able to offer at a super competitive um, price. Uh, actually right now for COVID, um, we're pretty much selling all of our hops to help the guys out. We're, we're selling all of our hops pretty much just above cost. Like we're just making enough to pay our electricity bill and keep our employees paid um, to offset things for all the brewers that are, that are, that are having issues, you know, with um, not having as much taproom sales. That's awesome. And I've seen you, you've yeah. also been doing a lot of gift card giveaways. Yeah. So, so we're doing gift card giveaways a week. We're buying $50 gift cards from um, our, our customers. They're not donating them. We're buying them to support them uh, and then give them away on, on Facebook and uh, just trying to generate a little more business uh, for, for the customers that way. Yeah, and I, I think that too that that serves a dual purpose. One, you're giving them fifty dollars, and then two, it, it's generating a lot of promotion for them because people love to win free fifty dollars to a brewery. So it, it, I've seen those uh, posts shared out a lot. Right, right. Yeah, we've actually gotten some good traction on them, um, and it's been uh, um, it's been going really well. So we actually just ran through our first run of breweries that we did, and ran out of cards. So I've actually, um, we're on the phone today buying cards from another 10 breweries. I think the, let me put the list up here and I'll let you guys know what's, uh, what's coming up on deck. Uh, next we're doing uh, Harper's Ferry Brewing, Smoketown, True Respite, Hysteria, Antietam, Seven Locks, Jugbridge, Black Flag, Elder Pine, and Crooked Crab. Awesome. Um, so we'll do those over the next two weeks. And then um, we'll, we'll, you know, uh, once we get through those, we'll find a, you know, we'll run through another list of about 10 or 15 and, and do those until um, this thing's over. So how, how do you acquire the hops? Are, do you get contracts yourself or are you going out and hunting <laughs> ones on the spot market? So we have contracts. Um, it depends on certain varieties. We have con for the most part, we contract directly with, with farmers, uh, in Yakima or, you know, wherever the hops are grown. Um, primarily our hops come from the Pacific Northwest, uh, Yakima, Washington, Oregon, Idaho. Uh, and so we contract occasionally, um, we'll have customers that, um, will call us and say, Hey, I'm a little, little long on this variety. Do you know anybody who wants to buy it? And, you know, we'll rehome, um, some hops for customers. And occasionally, um, you know, some of the, some of the galaxy stuff we'll have to hunt down, um, from long positions from other brewers. Uh, but for the most part, we're, we, everything's contracted with brewers. Yeah. I would say at this point, um, galaxy is significantly more valuable than oil. Yeah. So I used to see that joke uh, sometimes, but now it's uh, a significant uh, disparity. It, it, it is. It is. Um, you know, and part of the, the, the industry is really weird. You know, there's no, there's really no reason why um, Galaxy should be that expensive. So there's, I... There's really no reason i finally i finally expanded your video so so i could see you and i just realized we're wearing the like i could see your hat better and i just realized we're wearing the same hat oh yeah <laughs> nice hat <laughs> nice yeah um 
But uh, so the, the Lupulin Exchange, I don't, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. It's become a great resource for brewers um, who, you know, are long on stuff and need to get rid of stuff. And, and um, actually, I'm not familiar with that. Is that like a, is that not, a business or just like a. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an online portal that was started by a brewer um, out of uh, Virginia. Um, it's become the go to place for brewers looking to readjust positions on hops. If you're uh, uh, running short on something and you need something in a pinch or looking for some cheap hops, that's the place to find it. Um, but, and it's done, a, it's, it's, it's been amazing for brewers, an amazing tool. But it, there's kind of been a double edged sword because it has caused some slight volatility in some of these sexy hops because some people are like, well, if they go and there's no galaxy listed, they're like, I'm going to see how much I can get for this. Uh, so listed at 40 bucks a pound just to see, and someone will pay for it. And then all of a sudden, Oh, people are paying 40. That's the new norm. Then people start listing, you know, um, at these, these, these jacked up prices, which is part of the reason why, um, the, the price has been so volatile on like galaxy and, uh, um, Citra, which Citra's kind of balanced out this year, um, a little bit. Than, than where it has in, in future years. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much what's um, what's causing it. You know, the growers only get paid $7 a pound to grow it. Oh, that's um, got to infuriate them. <laughs> if, you know, if they and, keep track of the secondary market right, and see how much other right. people are making off of it when they're only making $7 a pound. Yeah, yeah. And so there's actually, there's um, there's brokers that will, uh, um, that'll cut people's contracts if they see them listing the hops for more than what their contract price was. They're looking to make money on it. I, I like that because I, I like I understand the wanting to I make some extra money off of something you have, but I can't stand people who go out and buy up all of something and then market way up to resell. I don't that's something that's always infuriated me. Right. Um, and I, I when I got into this industry, I told myself that I would never charge over thirty dollars a pound for for any hop and unfortunately now with galaxy i have to solely because if you if if i get it if i get some in and uh i market at a you know under under 30 dollars a pound it will be sold in a day one person will come in and buy all of it and sit on it for a year and then they'll be selling it for <laughs> right if i jack if i if i jack the price up a little bit yeah, it's a little more expensive to the end user, but it keeps it in stock so that more people have access to it. And that is kind of that that's our goal is to make sure that we always have these varieties in stock for the for the brewers when they need them. Because where we're located, you know, we're right on the 8170 corridor. So we can be uh, anywhere east of the Mississippi or anywhere east of the Mississippi, north or south. Normal ground shipping is two days at two days tops. Oh, wow. Um, it's perfect half, location. Yeah. Half of that space, because it's right in the, the, the East Coast corridor, the shipping corridor. Um, and half of that that section is all one-day shipping. So we've become a great resource for, you know, brewers who are in a pinch and, you know, you know need a hop delivered the next day or, or two days down the road, or they've got a brew coming up in a couple of days and they realize they were short on something. Um, you know, we, we can be that... Uh, the, the help for them to, to get them stuff that, that, that they need on time. At, um, we're going to take a real quick sponsor break to thank the people that uh, allow us to keep making this podcast. And then 
um, when we get back, I have, a, I have a couple more questions about Galaxy. Okay, definitely, yeah. You may have noticed something a little different in the Roast House Pub parking lot. They are now offering beer and food to go from their food truck. The food truck will be open starting April 3rd from 4.30 until 7.30. On Saturdays, they will open for lunch from 11.30 until 2.30, and then for dinner from 4.30 until 7.30. On Sundays, they will be open for lunch from 11.30 to 2.30, and then for dinner from 4.30 until 7. As you are aware, things are constantly changing, so make sure to check out RoastHousePub.com and their social media channels for up-to-date information and menus. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of India Pale Ales, delicious fruited sours, robust porters and stouts, and crispy pilsers and lagers, Idiom Brewing Company prides themselves on continuing to innovate, utilizing new and or experimental hops, local ingredients, and unique flavor, flavor profiles. Unfortunately, you can't enjoy their tap room, which is located along beautiful Carroll Creek in downtown Frederick. Thankfully, you can enjoy their delicious beer to go and even have it delivered throughout the Frederick area. You can check out their menu options and place your order at idiombrewing.com. Make sure to follow them on social media for up-to-date options and hours during these ever-changing times. So, do you think that the love affair and the pricing of Galaxy is justified? Do you think it's that much better than other hops, or is it mainly hype and marketing? And I think it's it's a combination. It's a little combination of everything. I think. Um, I think the biggest thing is that is it's it's easy. Galaxy is very easy for a novice brewer or um, a professional brewer who hasn't very you know been in the industry too long to make a good beer with. Um, so people, a lot of people are crutching on that. You can make these juice bombs out of it really easily. Where there's tons of other cheaper hops where used in the right mix will give you the exact same profile. Okay just takes a little more work and knowledge. Right, right. So I think that, um, uh, I think part of it is, you know, marketing and hype. And yeah, a lot of it is it's, it's, it's the consumer palette. So, you know, somebody goes to a, a, a brewery and gets one of these juice bombs that's, you know, they're, they're in love with and they see, oh, it was made with Galaxy. Well, what do they do? They go to every other brewery and they'd be like, hey, do you have anything with Galaxy? Yeah. Then everybody's for it and then you know it just drives the the um the need for it so i think there's there's it, it's a little bit of everything um what what know. do you think is going to be the next galaxy uh is there anything up and coming that's becoming popular or cashmere is getting super popular uh idaho seven is blown up i hate uh, idaho seven <laughs> um I've but, gone uh, on a record saying that multiple times. <laughs> why Why is that? I don't know. It's I've only had like maybe one or two beers that used Idaho 7 as like the marquee, like the spotlight hop that I didn't hate. And I'm not even sure what the pl- pr- flavor profile I'm picking up is, but it it's I just know that I have not enjoyed them. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, so aside from Idaho 7 Cashmere, um, El Dorado is blown up. Um, that's a hop that, uh, you know, 
it's doubled in price essentially in the last uh, two years. You know, you used to be able to get out like year, year before last, you could buy Eldorado for $8 all day long. And now it's, it's selling for $15, $16 like Citra. Um, and I think the other, what is this one other one? Um, Lotus is becoming really, really popular. Okay. Um, but uh, that's that's kind of the hops that we're seeing, you know, a lot of the the, the most demand for. So do uh, you um do you go out to Yakima Valley during the hop selection time to try out all the new or check out all the new crop uh, and per- purchase them or? I did Idaho or I did Idaho last year. I didn't do Yakima okay. um, with it's, it's, I just had a, um, had a, a, a daughter, uh, September 11th of last year. Okay. So that congratulations. Took, thank you. Thank you. Um, took traveling harvest time. So essentially what, what, what I do when I can't make it out there is, uh, they do brewers cuts of bales to where they'll take a, like a two inch slice of a 200 pound bale and cut a chunk out of the middle of it and then section it up into little chunks. And then they wrap it in paper and then they'll just FedEx those out each okay. lot sit in my office and smell each lot, tell them what I like. And, and then that way I need to have, a, you know, I can get customers who are contracting into the, the, the warehouse and they can kind of taste the wares themselves and, uh, you know, pick which lots they want for That's, their contracts. That seems like a, a much more efficient way of doing it anyway. Yeah. You know, for, especially for us, because, um, and again, it is kind of double-edged. It's efficient for the brewer because they don't have to go anywhere, but at the same time, it's not Yakima. So they don't have that ooh and wow of going out and seeing the whole process, you know, which is, um, you know, a lot of it, but, um, uh, for people who aren't looking to travel or too busy, it, it, it really, it, uh, it works out pretty well. So when you, when you make your contracts, are you just basing it on your knowledge of the market and what you like making your best guess of what you're going to be able to sell or are you kind of like subcontracting out to your contract before you even buy onto it? Uh, there's been a couple times that I've done that where I've signed contracts without having contracts in place myself, like within the, like, the first two years when I first started. Uh, and that bit me in the ass hard. Okay. So I, I don't do that anymore. Um, cause things fluctuate so much. So, uh, essentially I take whatever my contract price is directly with my growers. Um, and I look at what markup I need to, to make. And then that's, that generates the, the price, um, for that year. And, I don't, because I'm a smaller business and I don't have a ton of employees, I don't have a sales force, you know, we've only got five employees. Um, We don't have the overhead that some of the bigger brokers do. So I don't need to mark my hops up 50, 60, 70%. Um, So we can stay really competitive on on contract pricing. Um, And uh, aside from the, the like proprietaries, like Citra, Mosaic, Simcoe, um, and the, um, like Australian um, and New Zealand stuff. Every other U.S. domestic variety, we could pretty much match or beat any other broker's uh, contract pricing. Okay. 
Um, so you, you had said that you supply a wide gamut of brewing uh, products. What, what else do you carry? Uh, the only, uh, the, so the only other product we carry right now is uh, uh, fruit purees. Um, we have like uh, 12 varieties of aseptic fruit purees. Um, and we also uh, carry a, a nano CBD uh, product that's uh, basically been designed. It's completely odorless and tasteless. And it's designed to, to add to a beer okay. after it's been poured in the tap room. Um, it's basically a way to do a CBD beer and stay TTB compliant because right now it's illegal for a brewer to put CBD in their beer yeah. production. Um, so um, we partnered with a company out of Florida that um, is making these little single serving CBD shots um, that are like in a tear packet that the brewer can, you know, sell in the tap room to the customer and they can tear it open and put it in their beer. Okay. And have a CBD beer. Um, those are the, the, the main products we're selling right now. We're looking into um, this year expanding into uh, possibly some malt um, and other uh, adjuncts, um, but we're kind of working through that right now, seeing how that model's you know going to kind of work. Do, do you use um, do you offer only Araza purees, or are you working with other providers too? Right now, Araza is the, our only um, supplier. Okay. We're working with a couple other companies to get some additional varieties that they don't carry, um, like Cherry um, and a few others, uh, hoping that uh, by midsummer uh, we can have some additional um, you know, product lines. This, uh, this whole COVID thing, you know, we, were, we were set to launch with a, we were going to do a complete rebrand on May 9th. That's our four-year anniversary and have this, uh, you know, entire line, new line of, of products. Launch. Um, and uh, this COVID thing kind of put, just put everything on hold um, to kind of see where, where the market's going to go and, and how things are going to shake out, you know. Has, um, has the demand for hops dropped off significantly during this time or is there still enough brewing going on? significantly um we're doing about 35 percent of what we were oh jeez! Um, i thought you were going to yeah. say 35 percent less that's <laughs> no that's no, that's way about, worse than what i was like when i would have said oh man that sucks yeah like this last week picked up a little bit and we were at about 50 i think we finished about 50 60 percent of, of where we normally would have this time last year um but uh yeah you know brewers are they're, they're making enough money to stay in business you know they're selling cans they're paying their bills but they've really cut back brew schedules yeah um, you know and then you have on the on the, the 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 smaller guy and then on the bigger you know distro guys you have uh there's a few people that have fared well and seen a little uptick um in some of the the macro guys um that are you know um saw a little uptick in can sales at, uh, and, and liquor stores, but there's a whole lot of, you know, kegged beer that's sitting around Yeah. that's, uh, you know, that's not getting sold. So, um, I think really where it's going to really hit the, hit the most is the mid regionals that, that, you know, 
a lot of their business was was keg distro to to restaurants and stuff but uh i think uh overall you know because 90 percent 95 percent of our customers from customer bases um you know three to ten barrel we only have a handful of customers that are that are you know giant um breweries but for the most part i'd say that everybody's kind of cut their brew schedule in half and you know only brewing what they need to can and sell for pickup you know yeah it's it's been a weird um disparity from all the different breweries that i've talked to on how their business has been like mm -hmm. some places are like what you said they're they're getting by they're going to um make it and they'll be able to stay open and then there are a few places that i've talked to that are actually doing better than right. before this hit yep um yeah there's there's a couple of those 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 breweries um i think what we're going to see here is you know you, you there's two types of breweries there's a brewery that makes good really good beer and there's a brewery that's got really good ambiance and atmosphere where the beer isn't eh, isn't that great but it's a really cool place to hang out yeah i think you're going to see a lot of those breweries kind of fade away um during I, this uh, i guess I, I hadn't thought about it from that aspect that it's that there are, there are plenty of places that you go to not because maybe they have the best beer but it's just it's an enjoyable place to go to and then right. the places that make just really really good beer people are still flocking to them to get their beer to go and take home and they're exactly. they're benefiting from bars and restaurants not being open to sell beer exactly you know so the, the demand the demand hasn't gone away the demand's always going to be there and i think quite frankly if you look historically as the economy gets worse the demand for alcohol gets greater so yeah. i think the, the, the demand's going to be there um it's definitely going to shake a lot of people out of the uh, out of the industry but that's only going to drive more business to the guys that can weather it it's going to be crazy to see how how this all pans out in the end. I think one of the biggest things I underestimated was, and it goes back to you mentioning the kegs sitting around, is how like just how much product, both food and uh, alcohol, goes through restaurants. Because I was watching right. a news article. I was watching a news program yesterday on the Reuters app. They were talking about um, Tyson is shutting down one of their pork processing plants because they like there's no demand for their pork because of all the restaurants mm -hmm. being closed, and that's happened with a couple chicken processing plants. And right, yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 gonna have far-reaching effects kind of all over the place. Uh, and, and trickle down the line, you know, as it goes. Um, there's one point I wanted to make and I just it completely slipped my mind. Um, oh, uh, like buybacks, a lot of these, some of these bigger breweries, you know, the, the stuff that's sitting at distributors, some of their contracts are stated that they're gonna, they have to buy the beer back. Oh, that's gonna you hurt. Know? So that that's a huge hit. 
huge hit, you know, if you've already, you've got this huge slump in sales and all of a sudden you've got to buy, you know, the last two months of your production in kegs back from uh, a distributor, you know, it's, 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 it's going to get, get, get real tight for, you know. And then people. the like first, the first thought is like, well, they should just not make them do that. But then like at some point there's someone that has to take that hit. So it's like, who is it going to be? Right. Right. Um, and it's just, it's, everybody's got to come together and work, work, work with each other and like spread out the pain. Spread. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and spread it out. You know, it's, um, sorry to get off the topic of, of beer for a second, but like with the real estate and people not being able to be evicted, well, all these property owners, you know, they, they don't have loss of business insurance. Um, like everyone's, you know, everyone's denying loss of business insurance. And then, uh, you can't get uh, a loan to pay your mortgage payments on properties you own because you can only get this paycheck protection program that's going out there to cover salaries, um, and pay mortgage interest. So it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's going to get scary for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Cause there's, there is, there's a lot of deciding on who's going to bur be the burden of basically who loses. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. take, um, let's take another quick sponsor break and then we get back. Um, I want to hear the story of how hop havoc even came to be. Okay. Cool. So, Perfect. Uh, we'll back in a minute. District East now offers curbside pickup and a personal shopper service to pick your favorite beer and wine. They're instituting a policy of social distancing by bringing your order to your car. Their hours of operation will stay the same. This is their small way of trying to reduce gatherings of large groups of people while still delivering the service their customers have come to expect. You can view their inventory at www.districteast.beer. To place orders, you can call 240-651-0500 as well as calling and texting 240-367-4961 and 240-367-4149. You can stay up to date with their offerings on all of their social media channels. Spanish Farmwoods Brewery may have to close their tap room, but you can still get their beer to go. They will be open for to-go beer sales of four packs and crowlers seven days a week from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Please follow them on their social media channels for up-to-date information. At Vanish Beer on Instagram and at Vanish Brew on Facebook. So how um, how did you get the idea for starting Hop Havoc and what was the process of like um how how did you get to where you are today so i it started out um kind of by happenstance i was a hop grower for like seven years and um i had a lot of customers that were reaching out on the in the last year i was farming um asking me if i could find you know if i could find other varieties for them at th this time this is when there was a huge citrus shortage so everybody was, you know, um, all my customers were like, Hey, do you know where to get any citra? Can you find any citra? So I essentially started calling around, um, everywhere I could trying to find, you know, my customers some citra and ended up, um, helping a couple people out and, uh, getting them some hops. And then 
you know, those people told a couple people and those couple people will call me and be like, hey, I heard you got this person's citric. Can you find me this? I can't find it anywhere. Um, and this is when the, the hop industry has changed a lot over just the last four years. It used to be super shrouded in like mystery. Uh, brokers didn't advertise their prices publicly. You had to have, before you could even like view their website or log into their website, you had to have like uh, um, to view pricing. You had to have your own login and an approved application with um, all this, you know, your um, your TTB licensing and, and all this paperwork backed up because the, the brokers were super secretive about the pricing. And then um, once the uh, uh, exchange came along, and I started I started Hop Havoc, Lupulin Exchange came along, and another company called Michigan Hop Alliance, um, this dude was doing the same thing I was out of Michigan. And all of a sudden you had these three uh, online web presence where things were transparent and you could see pricing without having to create logins and um, things weren't shrouded. The, the um, other brokers started actually creating online portals. And so now it's a lot easier for people to see um, uh, what pricing is and it's a lot more transparent than it was um but so going what was your what was your original question sorry i just got completely sidetracked <laughs> how um how did you get the idea for hop havoc and that's right okay so um yeah so back to it wasn't really transparent and so people would call because they couldn't find stuff anywhere you didn't have multiple online places to uh uh you know go find hops um and so as i kept getting these calls i was like hey there's something here uh so we started a brokerage um, division of the farm that I was working on um, and started, you know, um, brokering. And about two months into that, uh, me and my business partner at the time had a falling out. We weren't really seeing eye to eye. Um, so I left the farm and, and started um, Hop Havoc and just kind of went from there. Uh, at that point, just focused on being uh, a company that could get, you know, basically we wanted to be as convenient for the brewer as possible. And there wasn't, there wasn't anybody out there that where you could go and just a couple of, there was one website spot hops, um, but they were constantly out of, out of things. And there wasn't like a single resource online at the time when we started where you could just go and buy any hop out there with three clicks and be done. Um, so that's really what we tried to create for the brewer was a simple, easy place to just come in, check the website, three clicks, you're in and out, get back, you know, get your hops and get back to brewing. And then um, adding in the purees and then if you add in malt too, that'll make it even more convenient for brewers to order stuff. Right, right. Um, ultimately, the, the goal is, um, you know, we'd like to bring on as many SKUs as possible. Um, but it's, we just have to do it at the right time. Uh, we'd love to eventually be a one-stop shop where you can pretty much get anything you need um, within a few clicks. Um, but uh, we just gotta get there step-by-step. Step. Is that a function of like having the warehouse space for it or just the logistical challenges of? Logistical challenges aren't hard. We've pretty much got 
the log logistics scalability, we can, I mean, we're fine there. It's uh, having the, the warehouse space and the finances to, to do it. You know, we're getting to a position where once we add malt in, you know, for a particular, like say in a particular brew, there's three to six pounds per barrel of hops in a beer, but there may be 20 to 40 pounds of grain per barrel in that particular beer. So the volume of grain, if we, once we get into malt is way bigger. So we need, you know, uh, much bigger warehousing and uh, that all, you know, takes a lot of, a lot of cash flow up front. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. So, yeah. And we basically um, bootstrap the company, you know, from the beginning. And um, so we're, we're working our way up, you know, we haven't taken on any, um, you know, VC funds or, or, gone out for for huge investment to really catapult um we're trying to let things kind of happen organically so, so go ahead um yeah so we're within the next year we should be to the point where we've added at least four or five um new products so you said you were how, how long were you hop farming From 2010, it was six years, 2010 to 2016. Do you, in that, that was out in what, Western Maryland, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that, um, Maryland is a viable read in a viable region for hop production? There seems to be a lot of debate on that. Yes and no. Yes, in that it is because I've done it. I've had the yields that sustained uh, and made money. But when you look at the amount of work that you have to put in to get that money, um, you know, you're 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 basically you're not going to get rich doing it. Okay. There's not a lot of people out there that want to that 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 want to work as much as you need to work farming and make the type of income that that. that farming can make you have to have the right the, the right plan and the right infrastructure you gotta have, you know bring multiple revenue streams into your farm you can't just rely on on hops uh, in this region because they they just they produce but not not the the, the numbers that the, the the pacific northwest does and you can you can make money it's just a, it's a lot of cost up front you know you're looking at uh, for $40,000 for a picking machine, you have a little trellis, all the infrastructure, all that, and you're not going to see any of that money back for four years. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot to put out versus the reward, but there's, there's definitely money to be made. You, you can grow hops here. You can have a big enough harvest that, that, you know, you're going to make money. The problem is, is you can give a plan to somebody of, okay, this is exactly what you need to do for this area on how you do it. And they're going to look at it and go, nope, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. And they reinvent the wheel. And then when they don't have a harvest like they expected, they blame the person that gave them the plan that they didn't follow. Okay. <laughs> you know? So instead of using um, so the circle wheel that you gave them, they, they reinvented it to a square. Right, right. Um, and that's the, that's the one thing we found because we started um, – we started doing consulting and, and, and opening up a couple other farms um, and, and managing other acreage. And it's just, uh, nobody wanted to follow the program. There was, 
hops are a very time sensitive crop, you know, so you got to be able to do what you need to do at the right time. Timing with hops is everything. Um, and, you know, missing a certain spray or um, uh, training or a cutback by a day or two um, in either direction um, could be the result of 10 or 15% yield loss at harvest. That's a significant amount of money. Yeah. So once, once people, you know, realize how, how, um, labor intensive it is, they're like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do it this way with less labor. And it just doesn't work out. Yeah. That was, um, that was one of the things I had heard that it is possible and you can grow hops successfully here, but it's way more difficult than in other areas of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, there's, there's also little, there's little microclimates that you have to find within this area and certain soil types. Like there's, there's soil say, and you could be in one field in Frederick, Maryland, right? Where that soil would be perfect for hops and you could grow it there. But then you go maybe 400 yards, right. And down a hill a little bit and there's soil that you won't you're just not going to grow hops. It won't, it won't happen, you know. So that's another um, another little caveat to it is is you know having the right soil. A lot of times people have property and they're like, oh, I got this property. I want to grow hops. You check the soil and you're like, yeah, it's, that's not that great. You're going to have to you know you're going to have to do amendments to it for three years before you plant hops. And they're like, no, I'm going to go plant hops now, you know. <laughs> um, so those, those kind of situations happen instead of like someone specifically seeking out a property that's got soil that's, that's, that would be perfect for hop growth. Um, people are just, you know, trying to plant hops in areas where they just have land instead of seeking out the land specifically for the, the crop. Yeah. I, some people, I, I've heard people say it gets super easy to grow. They're just a weed. They, and, but I've, I tried a couple times growing ones at home where I like got a clipping that it already was mm-hmm. already started. I killed every single one I ever tried to grow. <laughs> so I do not think it's easy. <laughs> uh, I also yeah, put no grow, effort into it. <laughs> they grow in the wild. I mean, there's still wild hops out there that are, are early cultivars that, um, that are just growing on, on farms. Um, there's a guy, uh, one of the guys from Oscar Blues, um, uh, is it Oscar Blues or um, I don't know if it's one of the guys from Oscar Blues or somebody that's a friend of theirs, is uh, uh, he's putting together a show where he goes out and hunts wild hops and like lab tests them and and, and checks them out to, to bring them back into production. That's cool. But uh, yeah, they grow vigorously, but to enable to manage them in a farmable aspect so that you can harvest them efficiently, it's a lot of labor of training them and trellising them and, and training them at the right time and training the right shoots and um, proper field tillage for the, you know, the best cone production. A couple years ago, we had um, Garth Patterson from uh, Mount St. Mary's. He's a professor there um, and he does a lot of um, work with uh, hop terpenes. And he said that the hop industry, it was benefiting a lot from all the money being poured into 
um, marijuana cultivation. Have have you seen that too, where there's the, the hop industry benefiting from the research done on its, I guess, its sister plant? Yeah, yeah, because you get into all those the breakdowns and isolates um, that they were doing with with weed. And the funny thing is, is all this equipment, um, we sell hops to um, to weed producers all the time who get new extraction equipment. And they're told by the manufacturers before you process your first run uh, and run weed through it, buy hops, run hops through it, and that'll tell you what your efficiencies are going to be with the equipment. Okay. So they'll call me and buy whole leaf hops to run through their extractors prior to um, running through there. So there's some extreme similarities. And as it's advanced, people have been able to mimic that on the, you know, on the hop side and create, um, you know, all these new uh hop products you know you got humiflor uh the ingenious hop liquid um you've got cryo hops and uh, um that was uh basically a, a a byproduct of um uh people keeping weed to sell keef in dispensaries oh cool um actually think i'm out of questions now um i this has been a very interesting episode thank you for all the information about hops i've didn't had no idea about like the buying and selling and all that so it's been really interesting yeah no worries and definitely thanks for um having me on it's been it's been cool talking with you guys and uh explaining uh who we are and what we do now um i'll i'm gonna keep a better eye out for when you post up um, the uh, gift card giveaways because I'll uh, I'll make sure I share those out. Yeah, definitely. Um, we got one coming out Sunday, so keep a look, okay. keep an eye on your newsfeed, and um, um, we'll be putting. I think it's ADM we're doing Sunday. Great, cool. Um, well, thank you for your time. Um, thank you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers. Yeah, thank you guys. Have a good one. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.